Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grey Malkin Lane podcast, where queer friends and allies gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics in continuity order. Today is the last episode of 2023. I'm going to save my moment of gratitude for the end of the episode, but what a great fucking year it's been on this show. Thank you everyone for the ongoing love and support, and for the people in this room, thank you for your ongoing friendship. We have so much fun doing this show together. It's the highlight uh, every time I get to record. I am joined by an incredible and hilarious cast of friends here for this particular episode, which we are calling the Roast of Scott Summers. Now, there is going to be a content warning here. We are going to be inappropriate. We are likely going to be a little politically incorrect. A roast is meant to be in good fun, and we are going to be acting as if a fictional character was sitting in the room with us. So this is for diehard X-Men fans. Uh, I shared this on the show last week, but I read my roast to my husband who said, sounds funny, but I know nothing about the X-Men. So maybe read it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm uh, I'm really happy to be joined uh, by a group of lovely people to to join in this roast with me. Let me have you each introduce yourselves briefly. Let us know your name and pronouns, where we might know you from. And uh, then we're going to jump into the roast. The roast will be uh, randomly uh, drawn as we go, so we don't know the order in advance. Before we do introductions, let me draw our first roaster. We're going to begin with Hussein Rashid when we get there. Uh, so, Hussein, would you like to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself first? Sure, why not? My name is Hussein Rashid, he, him. Um, at this point, I think everybody on this podcast knows me as Gray Malkin, a regular number 74, and union president. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hussein is also an incredible author and educator. Uh, you've heard him uh, on the show before. It's great to see you. Uh, Isabel and then Andre. Hi. Uh, yeah, my name is Isabel Diepa, and um, you might know me um, from uh, my cosplays. So my Instagram is Isabella Stiepa, and then I also have a podcast called The Barbie Experience Podcast, where I talk about Barbie. It's great to see you again. Uh, and then Andre. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Andre Mason. Um, I'm also a Gray Malkin of regular. So um, you pretty much have seen me um, either online doing thirst traps or my cosplay <laughs> randomly <laughs> um, in certain places. Um, but I am very happy to be here. Uh, and then uh, the Wilders followed by Bradley. Hi. Hey. Uh, uh, oh, oh, the sorry. Wilders first and then Bradley. Oh. <laughs> All good. Hey, I'm Alicia. She, her, hers. I'm Justin. He, him. And we are the ex-wife podcast. Also irregular people as well who enjoy all things mutant. We like to put people on trial around here. And today we get to roast and that's super fun. Uh, Bradley and then finally Anya. Uh, Hi, I'm Bradley Clayton. I am an illustrator. You might know me for my work in uh, Young Men in Love uh is a glad award winning book uh and stuff and i currently have a book coming out from dark horse called killer queens about uh queer space assassins and your pronouns bradley uh they them and then anya i'm anya prosser uh pronouns are she her i've been on gray malkin a few times and otherwise i am a doctoral student in education basically getting my doctor in comics it's great to see all of you. Uh, Hussein, you're going to open the roast for us. Uh, Alicia will go next. Uh, so let me turn the time over to Hussein Rashid. Welcome, yeah. everyone, to the roast of Scott Summers. So so here we are at the Hellmouth of the Xavier Institute with Scott right here in the middle of us. And Scott, when I first came to the Institute, I asked Logan, I said, 
why did Scott take the name of a one-eyed monster? And he told me it's because you're a big fucking dick, bub. <laughs> so I just thought, and then I thought that explains how you got both Jean Grey and Emma Frost. And that explains so much. <laughs> but what I don't understand is how Jean gets Logan on one side, you on the other, and where's Emma on your other side? And how goddamn broken do you have to be that she thinks Tony Stark is an improvement? <laughs> wow. So with that, my friend, thank you for being in the Hellmouth. <laughs> uh, it's so good to see you, my friend. Thank you for coming. Uh, let's turn it over to Alicia. The next person going after Alicia is going to be Anya. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, Scott, it really is an honor to be here to roast you, but I have to admit when I sat down to write this, it was a bit difficult for me. Not because I think you're too good of a guy to roast, but because I really care so little for you that even negative thoughts don't cross my mind. <laughs> Not to worry. Not to worry. I got there. Just to get us started, we can focus on the simple things, like the fact that you possess a special gift that no matter what you say or do, I hate you. I think it stemmed from my first encounters with you. Your whole vibe just gives off whiny tattletale. <laughs> and from that moment, you rubbed, rubbed me the wrong way. Nobody wants to hang out with the kid who's just going to boss us around the whole time and then tell dad all the things we did wrong. <laughs> and your face. Why is it so pouty? Even when you're getting what you want, it's infuriating. <laughs> now, let's take a look at your time as an X-Man. What happened? As one of the OG five, you've been with Xavier for how long and you still need those ruby quartz to control your powers? How <laughs> is it that you haven't learned that yet? I believe you've even been quoted in saying, I am the X-Men. Is that because you embody the constant need for guidance from a man who's probably manipulating your every move? Speaking of people manipulating your mind, let's talk about telepaths and love. I mean, there's Jean and there's Emma. And I think that on some level, we can keep Xavier on this list. <laughs> is it because you have no actual game? The only way you can get a girl is that they can read your mind? Because if you tried anything else, you'd fail miserably? I guess the only exception to that here would be Maddie. And while it doesn't seem fair to get into your family affairs, so... Let's do it. <laughs> Most people who have traumatic childhoods try not to repeat the mistakes of their parents. Mm -hmm. Not you. Abandoning my wife and son sounds fun. That whole saga was prize-winning assholery. I mean, first of all, you marry a woman just to fill a void in your own heart. Selfish. And then the moment Dean comes back, you leave her and your baby. You think after growing up without a father and randomly finding out you have brothers all over the place, you'd want to offer some stability for your own son. But that wouldn't be very Summers of you. The Summers family is built on confusion. I'll wrap this up by saying, yeah, you've done some good stuff in your life, but that doesn't matter. Some people are just easy to hate. And you, Scott Summers, are the worst. But the X-Men wouldn't be the same without you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness wonderful and scott if you're upset you knew leaving madeline was going to be on the table today so <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate the affairs uh joke in there <laughs> family affairs uh, uh okay we're going to anya next and then it will be me <laughs> okay so 
Now, before I get into my feelings about Scott Summer, it is worth noting that my feelings for him are so intense that I had to reach out to a whole nother continent to help me process this. So a lot of these, these comments I owe to my friend Pedro in Brazil. Um, <laughs> but that's how bad Scott Summers is. It's international issues, international ones. Okay. Um, Scott, you're like a colorblind dog. You see a redhead, books it after regardless how many wedding rings he's, you've got on your hand. I'm sure it's a good thing you exclusively wear red tinted glasses. <laughs> but what is he gonna do with the redhead? No one knows. He doesn't do anything with them. He just needs to have them. Which brings us to the real reason that the X-Men has yet to join the MCU. It has literally nothing to do with rights and um, Fox, Sony, Disney, whatever. It's the concern of what happens when Scott finds out that MJ isn't a redhead anymore. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, speaking of which, um, his biography will be titled Red Flags. Honestly, we'll read like a very neutral <laughs> Wikipedia page about your favorite gorilla leader that actually goes, you know what? Like genocide sometimes. <laughs> In fact, Marcus was more than ready to make up a bunch of weird crimes for his trial, but then they opened up the Wikipedia page and realized, what? wow, really? Multiple times? <laughs> Not to sound exciting, though, because Scott's the kind of bland white guy who keeps trying to argue that he's found the peak of the art form of comedy and whole stone love of equals and goes into incredible diatribe about what it means for the genre only to, off only to offer you get into this, sorry, let me do that again. Okay, Scott's the kind of bland white guy who keeps trying to argue that he's just found the peak of art form of comedy and wholesome love between equals and goes on to an incredible diatribe about what it means for the genre only to tell you that he has come to discover the first season of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, Scott's not allowed to pick the music on the jukebox anymore because all he does is play Mr. Brightside on a loop, prying himself Drunk into a coma all night long. <laughs> you know, I I want to give some credit to the terrible things the other Summers men have done, but there's really not enough time. And yet, still, he's the worst. His dad left him for space and still visited him more than he, Scott visited Maddie. <laughs> and that's my time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Uh, fantastic. Uh, after me will be Bradley. Uh, okay. Welcome, esteemed guests, to the roast of Scott Summers. We're pleased to have Scott with us here in person tonight. Scott, nice to see you stepping away from your military strategy books for a few minutes. Don't worry, there will be plenty of time to write out a combat plan in case of invasion from the punch dimension another time. Uh, just finish it before you have sex with Gene again, which means you have what, like three weeks to get it done? <laughs> hey, remember that one time you had a bomb sewn up inside you? That was good times. Uh, anyway, Scott, where, Scott, where to start? You picked the codename Cyclops. At first, I was surprised you took the codename of a mythological beast until I realized how much you guys actually have in common, you and an actual Cyclops. You both only have one eye, and the Cyclops of legend lived on a remote island because no one wanted to be around him either. 
<laughs> Heck, maybe his parents also pushed him out of a plane. <laughs> I'm not an orphan. My dad's in space. Sure, buddy. You know how you know it's not true is because his dad actually cared. <laughs> hey, remember that time you got shot in the eye and literally were a Cyclops for a while? I miss those days. <laughs> you are a hell of a trendsetter, Scott Summers, the first to do so many things. The first X-Man, the first team leader, the first to marry a woman who looked just like his dead girlfriend and not even wonder if she might be a clone. Uh, the first guy to dress up in red bondage gear and call himself Eric the Red. Uh, now, if you guys are unfamiliar with Scott's Eric the Red costume, take time to look it up. This man chose to wear this on a secret mission when he didn't really need to. Uh, God, that costume was so horny. Like his hat uh, literally had horns, but also he just wanted to be fucked so bad. Uh, you were also the first to literally merge your body with Apocalypse. What was it like having Apocalypse inside you anyway? Is he better than Wolverine? Oh. <laughs> that Apocalypse on you, though, that look was so hot. And Saba Nur, more like and Saba Gur. Uh, hey, remember that time that an alternate timeline version of your kid kissed an alternate timeline version of his mom who's the anyway yeah that was that was a good time <laughs> scott people are always saying that you have no personality and frankly i don't disagree but people never stop to think about your vibrant interior world you know the one in your mind where you like to fuck other telepaths while your wife watches mm. uh, and boy does this man like telepaths i guess when someone reads your mind you never have to talk about your feelings <laughs> but seriously scott i love you in my comics you're the straight man from the soap opera the dumb heartthrob who doesn't understand emotions and gets all the screen time but it doesn't matter how dumb you are because look at those delicious yellow briefs over that ass when you wear those blue tights and that 90s look no one is complaining you bring all the religion uh, the, the delicious nonsense a fella could ever want in his comics an evil space brother who has an alien baby and an egg somewhere a try-hard little brother who's mostly remembered for that time his clothes got ripped off. But also, do you remember when he fucked the wasp and then he had a baby named after your dead mom, but Kang the Conqueror took her? Because that was fun. Uh, anyway, you're related to the biggest drama queen of all as well, who is the evil twin of your half-clone baby from the future, and his only name is Strife. Uh, and his costume is even hornier than Eric the Red's, by the way. Uh, before I close, I want to play a quick drinking game with my guests. Uh, everyone, please take a shot if you have ever heard Scott Summers say any of the following. I didn't do it. It was the Phoenix. Or Gene. Or I can't open my eyes or I might blast someone. It's so unfair. Uh, oh my God. That's, like, that's like three shots. I'm drunk by now. <laughs> or, uh, or finally, I thought you were dead, Madeline. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, oh, Scott, yeah. you're you're a good sport for being here. Remember, if you decide to quit the hero business, I would be first in line to support your new career as a drag queen. Your name could be Ruby Quartz. Mm, never mind. Your name would be Thyclops. Uh, thank you for being here. Let me turn it over to Bradley. Uh, after Bradley will be Andre. <laughs> gotta say that Chad wait Chad before we move on um, I gotta say that that last Maddie joke the puppies wish that uh, that Scott had opened his eyes <laughs> uh, let's see if I can even read after I'm now drunk um, <laughs> alright 
Uh, we're here to celebrate everyone's favorite mutant. Oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, it says here, <laughs> Jean Grey's husband. No, Emma Frost. Fuck. No, <laughs> Wolverine's. Fuck. No. Oh, here it is. Um, Madeline Pryor's uh, deadbeat baby daddy, Scott <laughs> Summers. <laughs> You're going to hear a lot of jokes tonight about how Scott Summers is a bad leader of the team. Unpleasant to be around and a deadbeat dad. And I want you to keep in mind, he's also bad at having his only superpower. Uh, <laughs> Scott is famous for his romantic connections. Most notably, his longest is to Jean Grey, a telepath and telekinetic who can fly and astral project. He was also with the stunning Emma Frost for a time, a cunning intellect with money to boot, who can also uh, who is also a telepath and can turn her skin into organic diamonds. Scott can shoot optic blasts from his eyes, and he can't even control that. Most sources also list spatial awareness as a superpower of his, and I would just like to go on record as saying that's not a superpower. I can also chew gum while doing multiplication tables in my head, but you don't see me altering any wikis. Um, so maybe we should talk about the recurring telepath thing after he cycled through feelings for Jean, Emma, Betsy of all people. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly daddy issues, right? Mm -hmm. Scott Summers has so many daddy issues. He should be on Fire Island instead of Krakoa. <laughs> Although he's he's also such a Bobby, uh, such a bottom. Even Bobby has the top. Uh, <laughs> Scott Summers has so many daddy issues. He makes Loki and Thor seem really healthy and emotionally mature. <laughs> Scott Summers has so many daddy issues that he set his tender to not seek men or women, but any telepath within a hundred mile radius. They stopped letting him take the Blackbird for these missions. Uh, <laughs> talk about a black bug room. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my time. Awesome. Oh yes. my goodness. That Iceman joke uh, may win joke of the night. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, let me turn it over to Andre and uh, then Isabel is next, which means uh, Justin, you'll close the show. Hey, so good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we are gathered here today to discuss one of the most prolific and profound superheroes ever. And if you were thinking of the Savage Dragon or one of the Flashes, you might be right. <laughs> but we are here to discuss one of the most revered and the most made fun of superhero other than Aquaman, our friend of the hour, Scott Summers, a.k.a. Slim, a.k.a. Boy Scout, a.k.a. Cyclops. <laughs> Scott, you are my favorite X-Man. So when I was asked to be a part of this roast, I jumped at the opportunity because let's face it, Scott Summers can also be a galactic sized asshole just the same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, we're talking about the same guy who killed one of his father's father figures in a cosmic powered rage and made the other one work for him. So it just showed us that it's a rare case of same sex couples raising a kid doesn't make you Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> uh, the 90s weren't too kind to you, Scott. You've been, you know, you've gotten a bad rap through the years and rightfully so, since you spent a good majority of it being telepathic catnip. Um, but what can I say, Scott Summers? You know, that hasn't been said already a thousand times. He's a leader, he's a father, he's a warrior, and clearly a man who's in desperate need of a condom. Charles Xavier had money to build a state-of-the-art training room for the X-Men when he really should have invested in a 
a, having a safe, uh, safe sex and health, uh, health and wellness coach for the X-Men. Scott <laughs> uh, Summers has so many children in every universe, he makes Wolverine look bad. Uh, <laughs> Scott yeah. Summers has so many children that Nick Cannon even had to say something. Scott Summers has so many children that all of them could show, could have a show rivaling that of the Kardashians. Uh, but none of that compares to Scott's enormous dick of a personality that he has. <laughs> uh, you can say a lot about Scott Summers again, but you can't ignore the fact that he has a huge, you know, dickwad of a personality. <laughs> where his uh, love life is concerned, that man spends no time grieving and sometimes makes the worst personal decisions ever. One would say he's the Taylor Swift of the superhero world. <laughs> that's my favorite thing that's ever been said. <laughs> uh, Scott Summers is such a dick that Gene's body wasn't even cold and in the ground before he moved on with Lee Forrester and Colleen Wing. Uh, <laughs> Scott Summers is such a dick that he dated a woman who looked so much like his dead girlfriend that once did he not think to get therapy, but to, to continue to unzip his pants some more. <laughs> the same girlfriend who got pregnant went crazy slept with his brother and boiled all of new york city into a nightmare hellscape and tried to sacrifice his kid to a demon just because he was that much of a dick <laughs> <laughs> but you know scott summers is you know everything that we think he should be but you know being a dick is the most important and you can say anything about him you can say that he is the best leader, the first X-Men, anything. And there's so much more we can say about Scott Summers, but we're not here for that today. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you, know the, you know the girlfriend everyone always forgets about was the time-traveling X-Men story when he dated Bloodstorm for a minute. Do you guys remember that? Like yeah, the was vampire and storm. And she looked great. No. <laughs> I am so excited to tell my niece, who was just about to get into the X-Men, that somebody compared Cyclops to Taylor Swift because who knows my feelings about Scott Summers. <laughs> so excited. Uh, let me turn it over to Isabel. All right. Thank you. Well, Scott, 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 you're one who's always thinking with your one-eyed head. And I mean the one that does not shoot. <laughs> You know, for being such a huge dick, you actually do have small dick energy. And we need to go through this, okay? So, first of all, I'm not sure if it's that you're just really bad in bed, or you might not know the difference, or if Sinister is just such a great geneticist that when he designed <laughs> Madeline Pryor... Her vagina was exactly the same as Jean Grey's, and this is why you were confused. I'm not, or, or is it the fact that maybe you're just a one minute man? And so, like, you really can't tell the difference because every vagina is basically the same to you. <laughs> not sure that. But what astounds me is how is it that you can go to therapy with Emma Frost? And still fuck it up. Like, <laughs> how are you so messed up that even when you, you you go to therapy and then from there you actually start to have an affair? Like, this does not make <laughs> any sense to me. Like, that's the opposite of what was supposed to happen, my friend. <laughs> More importantly, you know, you're the only person that I know who asked 
for paternity leave to end early so that you can be a deadbeat dad. You literally <laughs> were like, yo, yeah, X-Force, I'm on it. Let's do this. I want to be on this team. I don't care that I just had a kid. He doesn't need me. Fuck that kid. And you just like <laughs> went on ahead. There's, now, a, there's no child support payments when your baby's 2,000 years in the future. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I guess, you know, the thing is that, sweetheart, all I have to say is, please, please, please find yourself a good therapist. Clearly, <laughs> you have some avoidant attachment issues, which is why you can't make up your mind on who you love or who you want to be with. So please, for the love of God, go to therapy. And yes, please wear a condom. <laughs> Yay, thank you. Uh, and then finally, Justin. Welcome, everyone. We are here to roast our fearless leader, Scott Summers. <laughs> full Summers family is joining us today, or at least everyone who's canon. Sorry, Adam X. There's no oh. pins in Shi'ar space. <laughs> Alex Summers is here. You probably can't see him. He's in the back hiding in Scott's shadow. Oh. <laughs> Actively trying to bang his way out with Scott's ex-wife, who I won't insult by name because she terrifies me. <laughs> Corsair is here. Scott actually knows where his dad is. Kind of a generational Summers issue. High cable. <laughs> actually all three of scott's father figures are here and yet the only one who wants to spend time with him is mr sinister <laughs> probably because of his genes <laughs> we have to give it up to the father who was there when it counted charles xavier the man who brought us all together the man who scott sent a photo of he and his wife on their honeymoon in bed that's not a joke. More of like a, what the fuck were you thinking, Scott? <laughs> we all know you love Professor X more than the rest of us do. Scott, you're so far up Xavier's ass. When Charles opens his mouth, his mouth, it glows ruby red. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're working through your daddy issues in a way everyone can agree with. Killing Xavier was the first thing that made me say, Scott Summers, not that bad. <laughs> Scott, you give off main character energy in the most obnoxious way possible. I am the X-Men. Buddy, you're a fucking cop and everybody knows it. <laughs> true. This is true. Scott is known primarily for his optic blasts, but his secondary mutation is attracting telepaths way out of his league. Most, <laughs> most people go for the rebel, the bad boy, not the teacher's pet. Hell, even Scott knows that. That's why he's in love with Wolverine. <laughs> I kid, I joke. You and Gene have a beautiful family with too many children that you don't know where they're from. <laughs> Gene, you chose, despite having all the options of wealth with Warren, intelligence with Hank, comedy with Bobby or even Xavier having all three. I don't know. Instead, you chose neuroticism and wearing your underwear on the outside of your leotard. <laughs> Scott, you're imperfect, but you're always trying. A, a champion for the underdog. You likely have five strategies of how to exit this room if things go south. And damn, you're so annoying about it. But you make the hard decisions that others can't. I love you. The X-Men need you. And it wouldn't be the same without you. To Scott Summers. 
<laughs> he did have five uh, strategies for exiting the room and he has left because things did go south <laughs> <laughs> either that or one of the waitresses was a redhead oh <laughs> I love yeah. that we got I love that we got Adam X and uh Scott as a suck up to Xavier jokes at the end. I as we were talking, I'm like, oh, I didn't write any Xavier suck up jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did not share everything that Pedro shared me with me, but uh one of the ones he said was Cyclops didn't kill Xavier because he was was taken over by the Phoenix. He killed Xavier because there's only space for one bad father figure per book. And Xavier didn't <laughs> ask permission to make a guest appearance. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. That was really fun. Let me ask a couple questions, uh, Cyclops questions for anyone who wants to answer. What's your favorite Cyclops story? Ooh. What if you don't like Cyclops? <laughs> I mean, we'll get to least favorite in a minute, but it, do you have a favorite? I have a lot of favorites. All of them where he dies. <laughs> I love you. Actually, I referenced it earlier, but that that like Inferno two when he has the puppies just filled me with so much glee. Just so much glee. I really, I like I the uh, the House of X issues where he leads the team to the Orcus Forge. I really feel like that captures him as a leader and a strong way and, and also showcases his emotion for the people on his team. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the one where he fights Storm uh, to decide oh, who will be yeah. the leader of the X-Men. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's a good one. Yeah, that one's, I have, I have a the few. one where child one, child him comes into the future and finds out how much he sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> that yeah. Cyclops series with him and Corsair when he's a teenager. That's a great, that's a great series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andre, I, and then, actually, Andre and then Isabel. Oh. Okay. Um, there was the one um, X-Men Unlimited issue where um, he had to deal with being stuck and not being able to do anything when they were fighting Sienna Blaze out in the snow. <laughs> that was really good. Stay tuned. We're recording uh, a script reading of that issue on my show next, <laughs> like tomorrow. <laughs> Isabel. Oh, well, okay. I, I like okay. I like this. I like this scene specifically in X Force One when he gets a phone call to like lead X Force because like the way like it was what I was referencing when it's like he leaves paternity leave because he very specifically is like I gotta go and she's like What do you mean? And he's like No, oh, they need me. I gotta go. And I'm just like the way that they wrote that was just to me like so perfectly like Wow, man, you really do have a hard time with commitment. <laughs> for me the cyclops series i referenced uh where it's the cyclops corsair story that's great uh i recently reread a weird arc where cyclops has an eight-part story in um marvel comics presents he goes to muir island and like master mold and moira mctaggart are there it's kind of a weird read but it's a really fun cyclops story uh and then the last one i'll mention will be the prelude for my next question uh that time when uh avalon crash landed on earth and cyclops had to lead the team of acolytes through the australian Outback, right? Do you guys remember that story? That's a great one too. Mm. My next question is, what is Cyclops's sexiest story? Uh, and in that issue with the Acolytes, he's so hot. A teenage me, like, fantasized over that particular adventure <laughs> like multiple times. He's like shirtless and like shredded. It's so <laughs> delicious. Actually, um, you hit the nail on the head with the Eric the Red stuff earlier. <laughs> it's unfortunately <laughs> so hot. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot look. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm a big fan of the, I don't remember when it was, but it's Krakoa era where he and, um, he and Wolverine are in the hot tub together and you're like, finally, you know that neither of them are wearing anything. <laughs> finally. Yeah. Um, I think mine for me was when, um, Scott and Emma were in the Savage Land and, Emma is basically talking to Shauna the She-Devil about how hot he is while he was fighting dinosaurs shirtless. Um, <laughs> he was at his hottest when he was dating Emma. They were always like waking up together in like a sensual bed uh, on uh, Utopia. Yes. Yeah. And there was a lot of those shots. And yeah. I, it did it. Like <laughs> Emma's his like second marriage, right? He had his like mm-hmm. little teenage romance and then uh yeah. he had his like hot girlfriend. It was it's that was his that was his adult relationship, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is appropriate, but in the recent comics, when um after uh, in, in the recent X-Men when Sinister like catches him and he's like basically like tied up and he does have his like eyes shut. I don't know. There was something very like dominatrix sexy there to me. Like I was just like, oh, like I'm into this. This give me fun. <laughs> I scrapped at least two crack Captain Krakoa jokes today. Uh, but uh, that's my next question: is what's the worst Cyclops story? I know what they're trying to do with it, but I hate Cyclops as Captain Krakoa. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, when he had to give up Cable. When Cable was a baby, yeah. When when it was a baby, I I didn't like that at all. Yeah. Judgment more. Cyclops killing Xavier, I know, is extremely unpopular. Although it's kind of great. Yeah, Cyclops <laughs> yeah, yeah, is a jerk. That that's top ten great Cyclops yeah. moments. I, Cyclops I dying during the Inhumans War, like of Mpox. That was that was. I was gonna bad. say, yeah, all the stuff surrounding the Inhuman stuff was kind of a boot, but. Yeah. In, in, like, the Dark Phoenix saga, like, I get it, but I really didn't like how, like, at the end, when, like, Phoenix is, like, well, Gene is, like, you know, be with Emma, and then, like, he basically is, like, making out with Emma over Gene's grave. I just thought that was, like, the dirtiest thing ever. I, I still get, like, this is what made me hate Cyclops, because I was, like, how the fuck are you going to be making out with your mistress? Oh, but your dead wife's grave, and then like, you know that it went somewhere else, and I was like, "This is wrong." It's very like young and the restless energy. When I read nineties yeah, comics, I just have that. to put like soap opera soundtracks in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a genuine delight to hang out with you all. Uh, we're gonna do uh, outros here. Stay tuned for the latter half of the episode, where my husband and kids will be joining. Different energy, but a lot of fun still. Uh, <laughs> Happy holidays to all of you. This was a uh, just a great time. Thank you. Uh, so let's, uh, if everybody would like to share where people can find you and anything you'd like to plug as we uh, get ready to begin a new year, 2024. Uh, let's go Bradley and then Anya. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Bradley Clayton and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Knife System uh, or on uh, Instagram at Bradley A. Clayton. Um, and uh, look out for uh, the last issue of Killer Queens coming out this month, uh, I believe. Uh, at, at time of recording, it's not out yet. I think it might be out by the time this comes out. But uh, anyway, uh, but it's been lovely it. being here. Um, I'm Anya. I, you can find me on Instagram at Daughters of Magneto. Um, I props to Bradley for still being on Twitter. And if you <laughs> to call it anything but, um, yeah. Uh, 
someday I will, you know, start doing more social media again, especially as I like start getting in the latter part of my doctoral journey. I miss Twitter's <laughs> interface. Like the, I, I miss, miss it so much, but I do not miss the bots and like the hatred and the awful. Mm -hmm. It changed, like, it's literally why I'm in New York. It like, it's how I became friends with Kelly Sudaconic. It's like, it was the greatest for me. And now it just, mm -hmm. it hurts my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then uh, Andre and then Hussein. Okay, so I again, my name is Andre. You can find me on Instagram and on X. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just basically talking about all things uh, comic book or nerdy or, you know, now rallying for the new 15th Doctor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can find me at Talk Nerdy to Me on both of those socials. Hey, I'm Hussein. Um, you can find me on Mastodon at Islamo Yankee uh, at mastodon.social. I just got on Blue Sky, but I'm not sure I'm going to stay there, but you can also find me there, Islamo Yankee. Um, and I will do my plug that I always do. Please go buy my coded book, uh, Miss Marvel's America No Normal, about Kamala Khan and Miss Marvel, and help me retire early. At least three seconds uh, by buying a hundred thousand copies of books. <laughs> it's great, and sometimes you read a book and then email the author and/or editor and make friends with them and have them on your show. It's great to and see. You become a regular, and then we unionize, and then you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Isabel, and then uh, Justin and Alicia. Thank you. Uh, well, I, well, I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, I had. I, I have been a guest on the podcast before during the trial of Lorna, and I really enjoyed yeah. that. So I wanted to say that. I was just like, oh, crap, I forgot to mention that earlier. But um, so people can find me on um, on Twitter slash X, so, uh, threads, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Isabel S. Diepa. And then um, at the end of this month, I'm very excited because I am launching um, uh, a geek website where I will be placing a lot of my articles. Some people might not know this, but I am a journalist writer. And so I've written for a lot of um, publications. And so this is kind of like my own website and it's called Fanaticas Geeky. Um, so fanaticasgeeky.com. So it's uh, uh, geeks, geek, geek news from a Latina perspective. And that's all. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Okay, I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And we're the Ex-Wife Podcast. We talk about Kokoa and everything that's happening in the current comics before it all lights on fire and goes away. And you can find <laughs> us on the internet pretty much on Instagram at the Ex-Wife Podcast, which is T-H-E-X-W-I-F-E-S-N-X-Men, not former wife. I lurk on X Twitter still. I, I as long as it's still Twitter.com, it's still Twitter, guys. You know, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, yes. You can and still look up you... Twitter and find it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's how you find it. Google Twitter. I lurk there. I don't really. Um, there. If you want to follow my cosplay journey, you can follow me at Wilder Moves on Instagram and TikTok. And yeah, thanks so much for having us. Sounds fun. Always fun. Uh, I'm going to take time to do the brief announcement for what's coming next on the show. So lastly, you can find Grimalkin Lane, Grimalkin underscore Lane on Instagram, or I am on Discord. I keep me, my own social media private because I got kiddos, but this group is welcome to add me. Okay, in January on the show, the first three Patreon episodes are going to feature Harry's Hideaway. Uh, and then Linda Donaldson, who we will be talking a lot about in January with the Beast Turn Blue story that we're going to do. And then uh, the highly anticipated episode about Fantasia, 
which is going to be a genuine delight. On the main show, you can look for opening the year. We are covering Amazing Adventures number 11. The featured guests in that episode are Spencer Ackerman and Jordan White. Uh, on uh, the next week, Amazing Adventures number 12 with Tate Bromble and Isaac Goodhart. And then uh, on the third episode of the month, Amazing Adventures 13 with Jordan Bloom. We also have uh, interviews with Steve Englehart and Fabian Nicieza coming out. And later in January, the trial of Madam Hydra, which uh, Isabel and Hussein will both be joining me for. Uh, she's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. It's, uh, she's nuts. I, I love her. Uh, Isaac Goodhart drew her on my wall back here, but you can't see. I'll show you later. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it has been an incredible ride. 2023 was an intense level of growth and change. I got to represent the show uh, at some really cool venues in like a very professional space. I got to moderate a panel with the voice actors from the X-Men animated series. I got to interface with so many people in person uh, doing the fashion review show that we did this year, the script readings that we ended the year with, and just Ooh. the general ride through the hidden years uh, the celebration of the end of the Silver Age was earlier this year with the Jeopardy competition, uh, the incredible guests that have come on the show, and then wrapping up the year where we're getting ready to launch into the early 70s. It's been quite a journey. I've also gone through a ton of change and growth this year on a personal level as my kids have gotten older. My son started high school. Uh, my father <laughs> passed. There's been a lot of really big changes this year, and I'm ending this year uh, in a place of gratitude. This podcast remains something I devote a lot of my time and uh, research and love on, and I do it primarily because I'm having fun. That's my measure of success. I'm building relationships, and I get to uh, have fun with friends and uh, hang out. This is, a, this is a very special space for me. I recently hosted my own roast for my birthday party. All my friends came over and roasted me, and at least eight of them had jokes about, hi, I'm Chad, and I have a podcast. Have I told you about it? One person cracked a joke how, one person cracked a joke how whenever I bring up the X-Men, my husband's eyes just glass over. <laughs> uh, it's become a huge part of my life, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for all of you for listening and for all of you who are here. So thank you. Stay tuned. My adorable children and my husband will be joining me for the latter half of this episode, and then I look forward to coming back in uh, 2024. So thank you, everyone. We'll see you back here in a few minutes. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gray Malkin Lane family holiday episode. Merry Xmas, everyone. I am your host, Chad Anderson. Oh, and I'm Michael Anderson. My hot husband. Um, I'm Cappuccino, and last year I went by Mango Mocha, so hello. Hi, Cappuccino. My uh, children don't like to use their real names on this show. Uh, last year I went by Yoshi, and this year I'm going by Korok. It's, um, a Zelda enemy. So no, I not, thought, sorry. I thought we could open up with a, a couple of requisite terrible Christmas dad jokes. Uh, hey Mike, what's, uh, Santa's favorite snack? Elves? Crisp Pringles. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, uh, hey Cappuccino, how does a gingerbread man get around with a broken leg? What? With How? a candy cane. Uh, <laughs> hey, Cora. I forgot your name. Korod? Korok. Korok. <laughs> I can't read my own writing. Hey, Korak. Why is a foot a good Christmas gift? Why? Because it fits perfectly in your stocking. Yay. Okay, we got three more. Oh, jeez. Hey, Mike. Yes? What do you call an impolite reindeer? 
Rudolph. Rudolph, yes. That oh, was easier. I got it. Yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Cappuccino, what do snowmen call their children? Oh, God, I just ruined it. Hey, Cappuccino, what do snowmen call their kids? Children. Oh, what? You ruined it. So lame. <laughs> Last one. Hey, Korok, what's big and jolly and says, oh, oh, oh. What? Santa Claus walking backwards. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, what was your experience like last year recording the family Christmas episode? Which has kind of become a lovely memory for our family. Uh, are you talking to me first? I'm sure. Um. <laughs> you, uh, you sang for our audience? Traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I recently held a, a, a birthday party roast for myself and all my friends came over and Philip C.V., Marvel artist, friend of the pod, dear friend of Mike and I's, cracked a joke out about whenever I start talking about X-Men, my husband's eyes glaze over. That's Oh, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> oh, you're talking about X-Men? Oh yeah, your podcast is about X-Men. Woohoo! <laughs> they, uh, they don't think I'm a very big deal. Uh, did you guys have a fun time on the show last year? Yeah, it was really fun. Nervous at first, but yes. What was uh? What's one of one of your favorite memories? Uh, Mike talking in an Irish accent. That was pretty great. Also, Mike, Mike's fancy. For me, I guess the downtown with the guys out trips thing. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you sang on our show. That was lovely. I have very special memories of the Rogue song, although that was very nerdy. I had a fun time with that. Oh yeah. What are you covering this year. Is there uh, another song? Issue-wise? No. Music-wise. No music this year. Oh, You're welcome, yes. everybody. You don't have to hear us sing this year. Okay. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about the Christmas holiday for just a minute. In everyone's opinion, what is the worst Christmas song? What's the one that when you hear it, it's either horrifying or annoys you so, so much? Grandma got run over by a reindeer, I think is the clear... One of the clear... Winners there. Well, that's pretty funny, though. I mean, it's awful. On the show, on the we recently watched The Good Place with the Kids, and there's that that episode where they play Grandma Got Ran Over on, by a Reindeer as, like, the most famous song in hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, for me, Christmas music, I can't decide. I think all of them suck, I think. <laughs> you don't have one single one that you hate the most? I don't know, seriously. I just am like, cuckoo. Poor me. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not the big a big fan of Christmas music with like singing in it, but one that I specifically remember is Justin Bieber singing "Little Drummer Boy." <laughs> That's pretty terrible. Like that. Uh, he has like more of a soft and disturbing voice. Uh, Korok and I were driving around the other day, and the song, uh, There's Something Stuck Up in the Chimney and I Don't Know What It Is, came on, and I was realizing, like, that whole song's about a corpse in their chimney, and, like, at the end of the song, there's, like, it's been here a whole year, but the child can still, like, perceive the corpse in the chimney. You promised your listeners no singing, and already you have broken that promise I within mean, the last five minutes. My Can listeners are accustomed to me singing on the show. Can on I occasion. just say something? Because you also heard of a song 
that is chipmunks roasting on an open fire instead of chestnuts roping and stinging on an open fire. And also poor chipmunks has hot sauce dripping from their toes. Yeah, if anyone knows that parody song, chipmunks roasting on an open fire, hot sauce dripping from their toes. It's particularly brutal for the vegetarian dad you have, huh? It's kind of funny, though. Yeah, it, it is kind of really funny. Especially because, like, Melvin and the chipmunks are in the background. It's uh, it's a pretty good time. I don't know if you know that one, babe. It's 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 real bad. What's the worst thing about Santa Claus? There's so many things. Like, he's like a deranged psychopath criminal who, like, he... Ins- I know I already did this last year, but he, like, enslaves an entire race of species. He, like... Think of how tired the reindeer must be carrying that huge wait around the year all around and he breaks into people's houses just like on a regular basis he must have like so much magic or something if he's able to travel around the whole entire world in a single night i don't know the elf thing is like probably the worst thing about him and also his poor reindeer and just (laughs) santa why do you have to be so cruel he must spend the whole rest of the year sleeping or something. I don't know. I think the creepiest thing is that he's watching everyone all year. Oh, yeah, that, like, like, idea of, like, he knows what you're doing and is, like, going to punish you if you're wrong. Ugh, it's, like, very Jesus-like in that way. Oh, like, if you're taking a bath or something, and also he sees you, so means he sees you when you're taking a bath or something. I have to think of it like a Sims game. There's, like, little blurry outy parts whenever <laughs> those parts are happening. He's just watching us all on his Sims computer. Uh, okay, I have a round of Christmas Mary go on a date with and send to jail for each person. Okay. Uh, so, Cappuccino, you want to marry the Grinch? Professor Hinkle from Frosty the Snowman? Or Burgomeister Meisterburger? Who's that? From, I, think, I think it's from the Twas the Night Before Christmas. I think I'd marry the professor from Miss. From Frosty the Snowman, go on a date with the Grinch and send the other guy to jail because I don't even know who he is. How do you not marry the Grinch? I call pistachio muffins Grinch muffins. <laughs> the Grinch? I don't know. He's not a human. The best Christmas character. Okay, for you, Korok. Hermie the Elf from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, that's going to jail. I don't know who could be worse than that. Yukon Cornelius. That? From Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the Abominable Snowman from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Why are they all from that terrible show? They're all the claymation designs that you love so much. I do not like claymation, but I'm marrying the snowman thing because, I mean, I don't know. None of them are good characters. I'm going on a date with the one with, like, the brown beard. I don't remember his name. Yukon Cornelius? Yukon Cornelius. And I'm sending this... Stupid elf with the... I don't even remember his name either. Hermie. Hermie with the blonde hair and rosy cheeks. He's so annoying in the movie. I remember you being creeped up by his little red mouth. Uh, Okay, Mike. You get creepy Santas. So here's option number one. Are you going to put these up? Yeah, I'll I'll post them for everybody. Option number two. And option number three. I'll post these, but they're real creepy images of Santa. I mean, 
I think you just have to say, marry the first one, go on a date with the second, and that last one's going to jail, definitely. <laughs> what, is, what is up with that face? Is that a mask he has on? I do believe that is a mask. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to do it. Last, last year we reviewed a holiday special, and we got to do some live reading. Today we're going to talk about, or I'm just going to do a brief presentation on an issue that uh, appeared at the end of the 1970s. Uh, this is from Marvel's late six. You excuse said me, 60s. I said seventies. I meant sixties. From Marvel's late sixties parody magazine, it's called Not Brand Ech. Uh, it's in the same vein as What the or Crazy or more popularly for people, Mad Magazine, which started in nineteen fifty two. The book tells ridiculous parody stories of more popular heroes, and it's just nonsense on purpose. In issue number one in mid nineteen sixty seven, the uh, story features the Fantastical Four including the human Scorch, Fung, Weed Witchards, and the Inevitable Girl. We also meet their ally, the Silver Burper, and their enemy, Dr. Bloom, as well as their friend, the Inedible Bulk. And in real life, the thing has an Aunt Petunia. In this, he has an Aunt Pneumonia. Uh, they live in, in the Bobster Building near Wancy Street. Uh, there's also a story, an old Western, about Kid Cold and the Rawhead Kid. Uh, there's, instead of Nick Fury, we get Knock Furious and the Hostile Commandos. We also get Spider-Man, whose real name is Peter Pooper. This predates, obviously, Spider-Ham with Peter Porker. He also fights the duo of Natman and Rotten, which is a clear parody of Batman and Robin. There's also, the weirdest one is Ironed Man. It's like a man who's been ironed, so he's all flat. We also get, instead of Thor, we get the Mighty Soar whose real name is Dr. Don B Darn Bloke instead of Don Blake, and his dad is Schmoden from Jazz Guard. Uh, Charlie America fights Batrock the Beeper. There's also the Revengers. Uh, issue 4 gives us Splat Murdoch, who is Scaredevil, and his friends Hoggy Nelson and Karen Rage. So they're all just really ridiculous parodies. We finally get our X-Men parody story, which is kind of a fun little time capsule, actually. Uh, these guys are called the X-Men, E-C-H-H-S. So in the 60s, there was a lot of advertisements that would compare products to some generic products that they would always call Brand X. Like, our laundry detergent is better than Brand X, or our lard in a can is better than this other generic lard in a can, which is Brand X. Mm -hmm. So being Brand X would mean being generic, and this book is not Brand X, but it's also like a yuck sound. And they call these guys the X-Men, the most non-usual fighting team of all time. The story's by Roy Thomas and Tom Sutton. We're going to spend some time on Tom Sutton early in the new year on my show when we introduce the Amazing Adventures stories that turn Beast into a monster. Uh, this issue's called Ech Marks the Spot. It's also called If Magneto Should Clobber Us. I'll talk about that in a second. Our parody characters in this issue are Icy Man. The daft, frozen icy man walks around with random items from the freezer frozen inside him. He seems to rest in an open freezer at one point. There's Beastly, who is a thick, dumb cartoon with huge fists and feet, and he spouts out long alliterative, alliterative statements like, and this is a direct quote from the issue, My dear Magneto, you must, not, you must not misconstrue a microcosm of myriad moths, that's French for words, son, to mean that the mixed-up emoter is a miraculous mastermind. As a matter of medical mention, it merely means that he may marshal a mammoth memory, which is mistakenly imagined to merit its master, the meritorious moniker of mental marvel. Ridiculous. 
And then we have Professor X. In his wheelchair, he has a huge enlarged head. He carries around a book that keeps pairing real books, uh, real book titles with the wrong authors, and all of them are absurd combinations. There's Angel Face, who kind of floats around aimlessly during the adventure on clouds. He carries a harp, and in one panel, he literally lays eggs. Uh, one of them hatches into a baby, and then the other gets fried. Yeah. Uh, there's Marble Girl. The whole company calls itself Marble Comics in this, but this is Marble Girl, who's wearing like a flared poodle skirt and fawning after the Cyclops parody character. At one point, she calls herself telephonotic. I mean telegraphic. I mean telekinetic. Uh, she's initially pictured next to a dollhouse. At another point, she's jump roping. And then we have Cyclops, who's a cartoonish suck-up with a big red visor that has only one big monster eye underneath it. He wears a green beret, which seems to imply his militaristic and perhaps privileged mindset. And then lastly, we have Magneto. In the 60s, they would always say, Neato, when something was cool. So this is Magnet-O, like Neato-Skeeto. Uh, he's a cartoonish guy who looks like Magneto, but kind of acts like Yosemite Sam from the Looney Tunes, or maybe more like Wile E. Coyote. He has fits of rage and, like, the worst luck. He often has, like, random metal objects, like cans, stuck to him. They live in Chestwester County. Magneto rides in a train with parodied versions of other Marvel villains. He puts on a little schoolboy uniform over his costume. It has red hair and a hat and like a little sailor suit. And in disguise, he comes into the X-Men mansion and he is talking in baby talk and he poses as a new student to the school. After realizing he has money, Xavier shows him around, shows him the dangerous room and Magneto says things like, so this is what the school looks like inside. It's simply super, super dumb. It's really hilarious in a way, though. Maximum dad jokes ensue. At one point, Marble Girl thinks, oh, if only I could tell Hot Summers how much I love him, how much I... Wait, I just remembered. This is his month to cry sad word or sad thought balloons over me. Uh, they make fun of Big's, Beast's big feet. They make fun of Cyclops thinking his optic blast is a heat ray and not a force blast. On page four, Magneto tur uh, turns on the team. He pulls a lever. They all fall through a trap door, and they fall beneath it. Magneto then says, Oh, silly me, how could I be so clumsy? I must punish myself for being so stupid. I know, I'll go to bed without supper. But then Magneto's powers go wild, and a bunch of metal stuff comes flying at him, including Iron Man's armor and Thor's helmet, which still has Thor's yellow hair inside of it. And that almost made me laugh more than anything. <laughs> While the X-Men sing the literal monkeys theme song, Hey, we're the monkeys! Magneto gets bored. Outside, there's literally a parody of the Doom Patrol that walks by. And for some of you that remember long-term, there was arguments that the X-Men were based off of the DC characters, the Doom Patrol, back in the 60s. So seeing these guys walk by in parody is pretty funny. Uh, in the end, the X-Men escape. Beastly talks so much that the word bubbles crowd out the page, and then they literally start using the word bubbles to beat up Magneto. And then a bunch more word bubbles start flying in, and they're making fun of, like, famous Marvel catchphrases. So we get things like, it's clod hopping time, and instead of Hulk smash, it's bulk stomp, or by the hoary hosts of hogwash, uh, we get one by the bristling beard of Schmoden, uh, one which says, I I've never seen Reed, Reed so grim, so resolute, so unshaven. Uh, this one made me laugh hard, uh, the hardest. It said, um, my darling, if only I could hold you close and tell you how much I love you, 
and then choose one, Marble Girl, Karen Rage, or Agent 13 and a Half, which implies that like every girl in the 60s was saying the same stuff. The key to this is the silly, cartoony art. Uh, the copy I have digitally is very faded, and there's so many words on the page. I had to read this several times to have fun with it, but it was a pretty good time. What were your thoughts on just hearing about this story? Did anything stand out to you guys? I didn't understand. Like, you kept saying characters that I'd never heard of, and you were like, monkeys theme song like what's the monkeys theme song the monkeys is a band from the 60s like the beatles so they were super famous so it just kept, kind of sets it firmly in the 60s oh okay uh so in preparation for this episode and we haven't seen each other's i asked each member of my family to create a parody of an x-men hero and an x-men villain and we're all doing our own interpretation uh and we haven't seen each other's yet so uh korok do you want to go first would you like to go first, Cappuccino? No, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just do one of them. Um, this is my hero one. It's supposed to be Colossus. It's I took his painting side into it and put an Adeline head from Kirby on it. And oh, Adeline the painter from Kirby. And just put a paintbrush and palette in it with her, with Colossus's Wait, body Colossus suit. Colossus is a painter. Colossus does paint, yes. Oh. Um, so it's just Adeline with Colossus's bodysuit. What so. did you name her? I just really didn't give her a name, but... Colossaline? Uh, I guess, like, Adeline... I don't know, Col Colossaline's better, yeah. <laughs> it looks fantastic. I'll make sure to post drawings if everybody's okay with it. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Do you want to show us your hero? Sure. So, I messed up on the neck but i tried to base jubilee off of the just classic american because like that's real i don't know anything about jubilee besides like fireworks and mulgrill so i messed up on the neck so i had to give her like a necklace or something. Oh, Jubilee, yeah. when the X-Men first meet her, she's living in a mall. This looks like a Jubilee that, like, never left the mall. She's just been eating chili fries for 30 years. I gave her some chili fries and a hot dog on top, and uh, she has a drink that says jumbo size, like, yeah. An American flag on her shirt. This Jubilee voted for Trump. How can you tell? I mean, it just seems apparent. And it says, baby, you're a firework. I don't know. She's where it's a, is that a girl? Like, yeah. Okay. I, sure. She looks like a Trump voter. <laughs> she like sleeps behind the orange Julius. Fantastic. That's very fun. Thank you. Uh, do you want to go next, Mike? Sure. My art's going to look terrible, but... <laughs> we famously tease Mike about his art all the time. <laughs> so I did a character named her Jazzler after Dazzler. Instead of Dazzler, her name is Jazzler, and her power are jazz hands. Okay, okay. I don't so see that's it. Her I, don't, I can't hands. see it from here. It's a little small. <laughs> she has long legs and like some fantastic heels. Look at that hair. Oh, uh, I see the eyepiece now. Mm -hmm. What do her jazz hands do? What are, I mean, she she just has the power of jazz hands. Like, what else do you need? <laughs> she like That's comes a pretty in, strong power. Right she like there. comes into a fight, and there's like, she's like, hey, and like all of the 
like people just turn towards her and she starts doing a jazz hands dance instead of like actually doing anything. Uh, I went with a drag theme for my parodies. So my first, my hero is a drag king. Uh, it's interesting because the character Banshee was originally supposed to be a woman, but they didn't want a, a woman supervillain fighting the X-Men, so they made them make Banshee a man, even though Banshees are women in the legends. So I made a character named Manshee. Uh, this is Shauna Cassidy. Uh, she straps everything down. She's got her Banshee costume. Uh, she, uh, her look screams. Uh, if Banshee can take on a myth mythical woman's codename, why can't this drag king take that one step? farther so this is manshee oh i love it so, so our cool. team is the uh, the jazzler manshee jubilee who never left the mall and uh colossaline i promise i changed craven's name i couldn't think of a name to change for jubilee why don't you go first for the villains we all did a villain as well Okay, so my Craven, I named him Craven a Hamburger. What? Instead of Craven the Hunter. So. <laughs> Craven a Hamburger. I gave him a like bitten into burger if you look closely. And. Oh, he's know. got like Zangief chest hair. <laughs> His eyes are kind of dead, but I think I did an okay job. So Craven likes to hunt rare animals. Did he make this burger after an animal? I didn't pluck the love. I mean, like it's like a unicorn burger. Uh, he looks fabulous. I mean, if he's craving a hamburger that bad, he'd probably just get like a McDonald's or something. Are he and Mal Jubilee friends? I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think they are. Uh, Mike, do you want to go next with your villain? Oh, sure. Um, so I did Mr. Spinster. So, instead of Mr. Sinister, it's Mr. Spinster. Oh, he's fantastic. he's perpetually single. He's great at knitting. Um, instead of the triangle thing on his forehead, he's got a little, like, wheel thing. And then on his chest plate, he's got a big wheel to indicate he's a spinster. So he like has like a literal spinning so wheel. Stupid. He looks amazing, actually. I'm very impressed with this costume design. He's got his cape. He's got a giant forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it needs to be big enough so we can put that wheel on there. Oh, he looks fabulous. Uh, Cappuccino, do you want to go next? Okay. Um, so I did Toad as my villain. And I mixed Toad from Mario with Toad from uh, Marvel, whatever. So he has a Toad face mixed with Toad from... Um, What's wrong with one of his legs? I made the legs be like one of them's Toad's actual leg. One from, you know, Marvel. One of them's Toad from... Just like his little tiny yeah, dumb foot Marvel. out of his diaper. Yeah, and then it is... Yeah, there's mushrooms around him, and this frog's like, eh, he think he's supposed to be stinky. Just, and then this is his uniform, and then I drew it in Toad's diaper, because why not? I love This is like, for me, if the character Toad got a job dressing as the Toad from Mario, and he was like in Times Square in New York in one of those old, like, battered-up costumes. He has, like, really bad breath and, like, food stains on his clothes. 
Uh, do you guys want to do your Toad voices? We play a lot of Mario Party in this house, and the kids make fun of Toad oh, from Mario a lot. Just saying, Toad is my favorite Mario character, specifically Yellow Toad. Uh, what does Toad sound like? Um, you my... do it, you better. <laughs> it's me, Toad! That's my impression. It's not good. It's not good. I didn't understand a word you said. He said, woohoo, it's me, Toad. Oh. Uh, do you want to try cappuccino? <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of this in our house. Uh, okay, my other drag villain. Uh, this is a drag queen. This is Jugs or Not. Uh, it is a it is a drag queen version of Juggernaut. She has her smashing helmet, and she is unstoppable in her crimson bra of Slay Tarak. Yes. Uh, so I'll post images. What do you what do you think of Jugs or not? She looks like a nun. A nun? Well, in a bra? No, the, just the <laughs> face piece looks like a nun. Like a habit. I like that you turned Juggernaut's I don't know armor into like a into a crop top. Yeah, <laughs> seemed appropriate. I mean, I think she's better than the actual Juggernaut, because I think the actual Juggernaut's kind of ugly, so... I love yeah. the Juggernaut. Uh, so which which would win? Our hero team or our villain team of Craven a Hamburger, Mr. Spinster, Toad, and Jugs or not? I feel like the villain team would win. I, yeah, I, feel like I the think that my villain's win. better. I mean, they're no Master Jazzler's Jazz hands, though. <laughs> no, they, they are. <laughs> Uh, happy holidays to everyone listening. Happy holidays to my wonderful family. It's been intense uh, end of the year with my father passing, which I've referenced on the show a few times. Uh, I'm really grateful to a supportive and incredible family who helped see me through that difficult time. Uh, and I'm excited for 2024 and everything that is going to bring for us. Uh, do you guys want to share any final thoughts or anything about your year you'd like to share? Um, I'm just going to say a controversial thing real quick. Okay. Rats are not bad animals. They are very, very cute animals, and you should not hate them. I have a pet rat named Charcoal, and he's the sweetest thing I've ever met. Uh, this child loves rats in the way most children love Pokemon. Not more. Or more. Yeah, and Charcoal is a very cute rat. You're right. Should I sing another song? I mean, no. I, I would love to hear you sing a song, please. Well, I don't know, like, instead of, like, another reference, like, suddenly Seymour's standing. <laughs> why, are you, why are you doing Because I have this certain theme now. Where I, like to sing. I like that you come in with show tunes ready to go from Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop, Little Shop of Winkies. I mean, Horrors, Bopky Bop. It's been great seeing how much your show has grown, and I think one of the great takeaways from going to... The conventions this summer were just seeing how many people love you and love your show and how many fans you have and just how, yeah, just how supportive of the community everything is. You're very sweet when you're not rolling your eyes at me. 
I think that's entirely okay. Well, what a way to end the year with this silly little family episode. Uh, followed, uh, I mean, we had the roast of Scott Summers right before this. Uh, I'm immediately finishing this, and I'm going to go interview Jordan White and Spencer Ackerman for the first show of the year with Amazing Adventures number 11. We are off to a whole new start, and I'm very excited about the journey 2024 brings. Thank you, everyone, for all of the love and support, and uh, we'll see you early next year on Gray Malkin Lane.